Hallelujah. <laughs> What's hey, up, baby? How you doing? What's up, man? Good to see you, bro. I'm so excited to talk to you. Wayne Bennett, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Wayne motherfucking Bennett's in the house. And I'm That's so great. excited to talk because I always give the context. I try to give people a little heads up. You are in my surrogate second class at School of the Arts Drama 2010 with all sure. of my people. I mean, you can see him right here. We got Alex Heffler. That's from the set of Two Gentlemen of Verona. That's wow. Madison. Is that Madison? Yeah, I stole wow. this off the set because I worked when I was a freshman in DMP. Oh, that's so, my favorite. My favorite crew, and um, I've talked about you on the show before a couple times. I think I told a story about using your drum set with Andrew Jernigan. <laughs> um, but I haven't talked to you, bro, in like a million years. It's been so and, long, and um, we connected. I feel like. Because it's easy to, to kind of rehash what I can, and then we're we're starting kind of fresh. Because, uh, you know, we knew each other uh, okay, like we were like acquaintances. We weren't like super tight at school or anything. But immediately when we met, you were leaving for the summer, and mm. we met and we started talking about drums. And we've both been drummers for a long time. And you were right. like, "I need to store my kit in town. Will you hold on to it for the summer?" And I was like, can I put it together and maybe, maybe bang on it a little bit? And you were like, it's cool. Just, you know, keep it up and, and just make sure it's, it's not in, in shambles when I get back. And, uh, man, that was a gift. That was yeah. a huge gift. And you played that thing, the whole over? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, uh, my, we were at stage custom. Uh, it was my very first set when I was like 12 or something. I got that set, man. Um, Gorgeous. I completely forgot about that, bro. <laughs> wow. That was like my first memory of you. We we did not know each other well, but you were literally, I think it was like a last minute thing of maybe you hadn't planned on leaving when you did or something, but it was like, yeah. I mean, and I, I lived with Brandon at the time. So I was, you know, That's right. uh, connected to you through someone you trusted. I wasn't a total stranger, but we met pretty quick and just started talking about the kit and before you know yeah. it, I was like, I had it all summer. And I actually ended up um, really reignited playing again for me, man, because I had really been on hold from not having my own kit for many years. Yeah, and I sure. was finally able to put in some time. And man, yeah. it really, yeah, it turned me around. I ended up playing a lot in North Carolina kind of off that because I just moved there. Well, I got to ask, you got to walk me through how School of the Arts happened for you, bro. Because yeah. in my head... Rob sort of just showed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he but happened to be this awesome kid who sort of got along with everyone. You know what I'm saying? Which is kind of dope because everybody ain't get along with everybody. You know, like, uh, but I do remember seeing you in like a, um, it might have been somebody's directing piece or something, man. That's right. Uh, Bryn <laughs> Harris, who's in your class. Yes. She did her third year project with me, Brandon, and Brian Hernandez. We did like an Allen Ball one act. Wow, bro. And I remember sitting in the audience. I'm like, who is this kid? He's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you had not been in the training with us those right. first two years and all of that. But I'm like, he's not overacting. He's truth. He's doing it. You know what I'm Man, saying? Man, I worked at IHOP at that time. I wasn't even at School of the Arts when I was in that. I was like... Yeah. Okay, so I'll tell you the quick story. And I've kind of told this on the podcast before, but I'm getting better at telling it fast. So 
because it's not a simple story. And we talk about this on the podcast a lot about how there are people who go straight from, and I'm, we're going to talk about this with you when we get to it, but uh, yeah. people who go from high school in the spring, graduate, spend the summer hanging on their hometown, whatever. In the fall, they go to North Carolina School of the Arts, 17, 18 years old, versus the people who have whatever different path that made them take a break, go to another school first, whatever right. it was, and then show up older, you know, and we've, we've talked to both, a lot of people on both sides of that. I'm one of the people who didn't have a direct path for a bunch of reasons. I went to another school first, dropped yeah. out, was like, I'm not going to go to college at all. My best friend from fifth grade, Brandon Harris, calls me and says, yo, I'm going to this school in North Carolina. Yeah. You should come. And I'm like, you know me in school. Like, I'm shit at it. It's not going to work. And he's like, different kind of school. They don't care how you did in high school. If you can do the art shit for 12, 14 hours a day, you can hang with this. And I was like, that can't be, but that's not a college. That's like, what any, and we, we had to kind of, he had to convince me. And I came out there for originally for lighting design in DMP. That's I what I got accepted as. Yeah. I got there in May of 2008. I was supposed to start in the fall of 2008. And I couldn't get the money together. And so mm -hmm. the last minute, literally the day of school, like backpack on my shoulder, ready to start in the fall, I basically found out you're not starting this fall. It's not going to happen. So wow. I had to talk to DMP and defer my acceptance for a year to like get the money together. Right. So I spent a year in Winston uh, working at IHOP, doing, you know, projects with people on campus, getting to know you and the other people that I got tight with yeah. uh, as a townie, just as like a kid who lived in town. But I lived with Brandon and Ryan Rowitz. And so all the parties That's were funny. at my house, all the. Yeah, that's yeah. how that kind of happened. And by uh, the end of that year, by the time I was starting in the fall, I was like, I want to be in the fucking drama school so bad. Like, those are my homies. Like, I love lighting design, but man, I just like fell in love with you guys. And and the whole uh, idea of Gerald's program became incredibly interesting to me. I didn't know about it before. And yeah. so by the time I finally ended up starting in the fall, I was like, I'm doing that. I'm yeah. going to find a way into that. That's where I'm supposed to be. Well. Wow. Over the course of that year, I'd done the directing project that you mentioned as an actor, mm. and everybody was so fucking nice to me about that. I was terrified to do it because I was not in the drums. And yeah. um, those directing projects don't have a lot of like outside people in them. It's really just students. And, and then, so it was weird to have that moment because a lot of times, especially when you perform for the drama school, man, it's usually like that monologue night. That's when they first see you. And they know you're a freshman. They know you're new. They know yeah, what's up with you. And they're like, okay, where's he from? All right, let's go Jacksonville or whatever the, like, yeah. and they, they come out and they do the scene. You're like, okay, cool. And you log them away. You don't hear from them for a while. They show up again. And literally everyone goes to this scene and I can feel it as the lights come up. People are like, what you just said. They're like, yeah. what the right. fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. We know the hundred people in the program. That's we remember right. them from those two, three things, whatever we saw. Yeah. Who the fuck is this guy? Who is this and, guy? But everyone was really nice to me about it and really uh, complimentary. And then in the fall, uh, by the time I went to DMP, I was like, man, I'm going to do drama. I'm going to figure it out. Over the course of my freshman year in DMP and uh, my effort to get in there, I directed Dave Brown, 
Alex Heffler and uh, Brandon in the Complete Works of Shakespeare abridged as a showcase fundraiser. Well, and it did pretty well. And I finally yep. had a meeting in the, in the winter with Gerald of like, hey, catching him up on the story I just told you. Yeah. I want to do this. And he was like, wait, tell, tell me again. What the, but kind of the same feeling that I had on stage with people like, who the um, fuck is this guy? Yeah, right. And uh, I, I told him the, the situation and what I wanted to do. And he said, okay, uh, let me think about it a little bit. And I was like, I'm happy to audition. And he was like, you don't need to audition. And I was like, what? are you talking about? And he was like, right. I was like, everyone auditions for the drama school. I got to do my monologues and shit. And he was like, like, I saw you act. I've seen you direct. What are you going to show me in a Shakespeare monologue that I don't uh, know already? That and I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, is that good or bad? Because <laughs> he hadn't said yes. Just, he was just like, let me think about it. I've seen everything I need to see. Um, yeah. And so he ended up letting me in as a second year actor. I did the second year as an uh, fully just an acting student. I got to kind of AD on a couple shows. Um, so you were second year, our third year? No, I was a second year, the year after you graduated. My freshman year in DMP was your senior year. Wow. Because that's what the year I was directing Dave, Alex, and Brandon for the showcase thing. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So really by the time I finally got going, you guys were gone. We were long gone. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's so it, strange because I just remember you being around so much when we were there. You know what I'm saying? But you well, saying I showed up. I showed up uh, the end of your second year. That's what oh, we meant. Sure. So for the whole last two years, yeah, I was there. And if there was a, a fourth year party, it was probably at my place. Um, <laughs> we got to talk about you. I've caught you up. Um, yeah. I only have one stock question, Wayne. Where are you from? Uh, Jacksonville, Florida, man. I'm actually uh, now, man. I'm back for the summer. You see me getting my Matt Bullock on? Yes, sir. Seltzer, baby. It's seltzer time. I got so into that after school. I wish I was drinking that shit while I was there. It would have been way healthier. It's so crazy because I'm, I'm going on. August will be two years that I've moved to New York City. And when I first got there, I'm kind of like, bro, what is the deal with these New Yorkers and these seltzer waters? Like, I don't. Yeah. South, there's the big gulp. You're going to get a ton of sugar. Like, Did you grow up drinking soda? Tons of it, man. I'm in Me the too. South. I lived on it. Like from Texas. Texas. So yeah. There we go. Cool. 100%. So soul food and sugar, man. Like, you man. know what I'm saying? So uh, I was kind of like, what's, what's the deal with this stuff, man? And then I went, oh, zero calories when you're trying to knock that weight off. You know what I mean? The first time, dude, it, so this is my like crazy story about that. It's not even that good of a story, but it's so funny now because I have, I have a, a fucking soda stream in my house. Like I make my own seltzer water at home. I just chug that shit because it keeps me drinking water. And, um, when I was working at IHOP that year, we had this old lady who was the manager who loves school, of the arts kids. And she wanted, and I was, that was back when I was still just pounding soda and I worked at IHOP, and we had the fountain, and it was free. I was just like, ah, Mountain Dew, Dr. Bear, let's go, unlimited. Um, abusing it and my body. And she goes, you know, I make my own soda. This like old <laughs> white lady. She's like tiny. She always looked like she had like woke up 20 seconds ago. And she's like, yeah, I make my own soda. And I was like, okay. okay. And she was, yeah. like, it, she was like, you want me to make it for you? And I was like, okay, sure. 
And she went and made like a clear seltzer water and put like maybe two pumps of like strawberry syrup in it from like when we make drinks. And it was the weakest shit. As someone used to soda, I don't know if you remember the first time you had seltzer with no sugar and you were like, this shit is poison. (laughs) Right, right. I was like, oh my God. And I felt so bad because she was my boss. But I was like, ah, no, don't make your own soda. Linda, huh. you need to stop. Yeah, Don't that. make anybody else try that. But here I'm, I am. I, I consume it at mass every day. That's how I am now, man. Like when I have to cut weight, it's sugar and carbs, bro. And and um, I, I've I was consuming all of my calories and 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 sugar and soda, bro. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I still just I just need the fizz and the flavor. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And uh, minus the sugar, we're good. So. So yeah, bro. So but but I'm I'm from Jacksonville. I'm from Florida, bro. Right. Uh so I want to talk about that because there are quite a few people, the school of the arts from Jacksonville. There's a kind of a community there, a pretty good theater community in the high school level, is there not? Oh yeah, man. You know, I remember my audition for School of the Arts, man, in Chicago at the Palmer House and It was Unifieds. Yeah, Unifieds. There was Besseda and there was Bob Francisconi at the table and uh, did my audition. And um, they specifically asked me about that. Like, who do, who do you know that says School of the Arts now? It was uh, Natasha Galano, who went mm-hmm. to my high school, DA Douglas Anderson here in Jacksonville. Um, there was a, a girl named Brittany Holsinger, who was um, a year ahead of me, but she ended up leaving her second year, my first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that. She wasn't, um, she just wasn't interested in the path of an artist. Uh, there was Johnny Malati. Uh, Age you know, manager extraordinaire. Incredible. He's always been like that since high school. Like just, yeah. I remember Johnny Milani. Um, I saw him at that holiday party in New York and it was, it was awesome to catch up with him. Um, it was Kelsey Tippins. Yeah. Uh, also stage manager. She's like next level. Yeah, man. Um, so many people, bro, like uh, from from Jacksonville and specifically from my arts high school. Right. You know what I mean? Which was really cool. So they asked me that. I named all the names. You're like, oh, so you, you kind of have a community already, you know? Right. That's <laughs> good. That makes yeah. it easier to transition too. when you. OK, so let's back it up a little bit, though. So when are you born and raised Jacksonville? Just always been there? Yeah, born and raised here, bro. Like, um, and what's paying the bills in the family when you're a kid? When I was a kid, in terms of yeah. my parents, yeah. Like, so what's what's the? Because uh, here, this is why I asked that question. I find it very interesting to think of when you're a little kid and you have parents who go off to work, which is like most kids. Yep. Your parents have to leave you every day, and they have to say, "I got to go work." And at first, you're like, "What does that mean? Aren't you?" being here with me is what we do. And they're like, no, I have to go and do this thing and come back. And they have to explain to you what is the thing that takes them away every day. And yeah. sometimes that changes. Sometimes that's a big deal. Like I got to go because dad's a doctor and I'm saving lives with cancer, whatever, crazy shit. Some people are like, I got houses to build, whatever it is. But I sure. think it's very interesting and it kind of informs what we come to think of as work when we observe that as a kid. So I'm just curious what that culture was like. Yeah. And I guess in my experience, man, like I grew up in the projects, bro. It was like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like, so 
My mom would have jobs from time to time, like a receptionist, that kind of thing. She was into like temp jobs. Yeah, like front desk work. That was sort of her thing. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, there were a lot of pockets where she didn't have work, you know. Right. So, so she was uh, she was home with me and my younger brother. I didn't move with my dad until I was twelve. My parents were married when I was um, born, and I think they divorced when I was like two. Um, okay, and I lived with mom, and like I said, we were in the projects, man, and and I and. Mom gave us a lot of leeway. Like she gave us a lot of freedom. You know what I'm saying? Like it was called Brentwood Project. So every day was sort of like a different story, man. It was like an adventure, me and my younger brother. Like you just never knew what you would get into. I mean, footballs, football one day, it's a fight the next day. Uh, two old ladies are, are yelling at each other across the way. It was like every, this environment where, you know, it was it was the bottom. It was poverty, but but it was always kind of adventurous and interesting. Cause you just never knew what you run into when you were in it. Did it feel the way that it feels now as you look back on it? Let me give a little context to that question. I, yeah. in contrast to that, I grew up all over the fucking place economically. But sometimes we lived in a really nice ass suburb. We didn't always have a nice house in the suburb. A few times we got to live in a nice suburb. Sometimes yeah. we live in a trailer park. Sometimes I, I, I mean, I lived in Hell's Kitchen in high school. Uh, like the right next to Port Authority, the fun part. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've been all across the place and I moved a lot. And when I was a kid, like most kids, I thought that shit was normal. I thought that's what everybody else was doing. And right. I didn't think of it as a chaotic household. I didn't think of it as a disjointed or dysfunctional, like shit that my therapist wife would call it now. Uh, she would say, you know, it was wild. You grew up at a wild, in a wild situation. But I, I didn't feel like it was wild at the time. It felt normal to me. And that's why I kind of asked, like, what was your experience of that project chaos? Yeah, I mean. At the time. At the time, it was all we knew. So, I mean, right. I guess really had not, not much. We didn't have a lot to reference to say that this is good or bad, up or down, left or right. You know what I mean? You feel happy? It was what it was. It was, yeah, it was exciting. It was adventurous because we were kids who had freedom. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I mean, I'm a father now. Like, you know, I, I'm being truthful. I don't know that I would give my son as much freedom as my mom gave me. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, How old's your son? Uh, he'll be seven next. He'll be seven Wednesday, bro. <laughs> hey, congratulations. Yeah. By the time this comes out, he'll be seven. Wonderful. Yeah, for sure, bro. Uh, so That's I'm, awesome. Super thrilled about that. But um, but yeah, man, like probably not as much freedom as she gave us to sort of roam around. I will tell you this. Brentwood Elementary happened to be an art school. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I am a that was gonna I'm be my next question. Okay. Yeah, so I I'm I'm a faith man, you know, and um hey, uh, what are the odds? What's the irony that in this community of poverty and drugs and and violence and, you know, that Brentwood Elementary would happen to be an art school. And so, uh, you know, I went there, I started there in like second grade, I think. And and when I was in second grade, when I was in third grade, Wayne Bennett was hell. <laughs> I like I had that rep from teachers of like, yeah. this kid is absolute, just a terrorizer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, 
I'll never forget, man, my, my fourth grade year. My teacher, this lady named Allison Massey, man, she's the, she's the first person to ever really stand up to me like in a school setting, you know? Mm -hmm. How'd she do it? <clears throat> she's just like, look, I'm not, I don't care about what they're talking about. Like, I'm not having this in my class. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so she's like, you're way too smart. You're way too gifted. You're way too talented. Like, we need to find something to channel this energy and to direct it. And so she put me in a tap dance class, bro. And uh, and the tap dancing was was pretty cool, but it it wasn't really my thing, you know. Like I kind of knew early on, like this is cool, but it's fun to be around people. But there's got oh, there's footage somewhere, right? We got a VHS tape right. somewhere with tap dancing Wayne Bennett, or no? Man, I wish I could pull up some of that. I don't. I think it's lost, bro. I, I mean, got the a, kind of money now that you would be happy to get that link for me. You know, what <laughs> I mean, I would make it worth your while, hundred percent. For sure, bro. You let yeah. me know. But so so I like, um, yeah, man. So I was like, you know, just dressing out, this tight stuff. Like, it ain't really my wave. Right. So um, then I got into theater, man. And my first play was A Midsummer Night's Dream in fifth grade. I played Lysander. I mean, we had no clue what we were saying. I didn't. Right, I knew of course not. Yeah, man. But I, I knew I memorized all those lines, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, and I, I have found my place, bro. Like, it What did just, that do for you? It was accountability. You mm. know what I'm saying? And, and through the lens of like, um, there's a reason for me to behave now. You know, like, this isn't just, all right, you need to be an obedient boy, obedient just because you have to do it. Right. And that's what good people do. It's like, no, in order to do this, you must behave this way. You know you what really I mean? You really needed the incentive. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, man. And it was like, all right, now I have a reason to tighten up to keep my What brain. was it about doing that that made it worth it to you? Because you'd probably been offered other kinds of incentives before by adults trying to get you to give a shit about something so that you would. That's what kids do. I was a teacher. When you have a kid like that, you try to find a thing that they care about to incentivize behaving. The problem yeah. is that can be hard to find because the kids would be like, I don't care about candy. I don't care about being in trouble. I love being in trouble. Like there's so much that you're like, well, what do you, what do you care about that I could take away or give to you that would make you straighten up? What was it about being on stage that you were like, I can't, don't take this shit from me. I need this. Bro, it was like, uh, oh man, you, you know, this stuff It's like artistry sort of chooses you, man. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know how to define it. I don't think that everyone is born an artist. You know, it's, it's, it's one of yeah. those, I, I truly think that it chooses you, man. And, and when you come in contact with it, you just kind of know, you know, I don't, I don't, and I don't know that, that, that you share that experience or like you've experienced that maybe, I don't know, perhaps your, your wife or something, you know, in relationships, sometimes yeah. people, when it just that perfect match comes together. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was one of those things for me where I just fell in love with it. Like I, I, you know, I could, I could, I could channel all of these frustrations and angers and misunderstanding and, and, you know, and this life's unfairness, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Projects and that sort of thing. But I was also exposed to people who lived at the beach and who had both of their parents in their house or, just, you know how the art sort of bridges the gap 
with every socioeconomical, like economic standing, you know what I mean? It yeah. brings room. And there was something about that that was really beautiful to me that I, I was no longer the poor kid. You know what I'm saying? Yes, much, I do. As much as, hey, man, this is a guy that we love. He's here to do the job. He's doing it well. You know what I mean? I think that is such a powerful message, man. And I think that that is, that is something we touch on in this show a lot. And I feel like it's also one of the benefits of I'm always arguing. People are like, you want it? And man, you and I can work on this together for the rest of our lives. But you want to help kids in poor communities. You want to help kids whose parents are in and out of jail, kids whose parents are dealing with addiction, kids with, uh, you know, less than uh, a full household in guardianship, whatever your situation is, foster kids who have no parents living with other parents. I mean, the list goes on and on. And my wife, like I said, she's a therapist and a social worker. We talk about this stuff all the time. And it's like, yeah. if you want to help those kids, start with giving them art for right. real. Not every one of them is going to become a professional artist, but mm -hmm. it is a vehicle for expression. It is a way to channel all that shit. And that, you know, that story about you going from the kid who was like, I'm going to start just ripping pages out this book to see who stops me. Like, <laughs> I remember those kids I, as a teacher. And I remember those kids in the classroom because I was always cutting up. I like to push the thing, but as soon as it looked like I was going to get thrown out the class, I was like, I don't know, I don't know. No, I would, I would back up, I would bail. Like I wasn't pushing it all the way. But I hear the, I hear the story you're telling, and to see you do that 180 and be like, nope, straighten my tie and get my shit in order because I care about this. Yep, that is what you were asking them for, without right. realizing. You Ooh. were like, I have this. Yeah, act. I, I'm acting out. And I want to act, you know, I want to do, I need to put yeah. that into something, yeah. you know? And, and, and I think that we don't, unfortunately, we don't, we don't always have our education systems built to recognize what that kid's trying to tell you, unfortunately. Yeah, but yeah. I'm so glad that it hit you and it hit you early enough for you to start really building a skill set and a passion because it didn't hit you at 16, it yeah. hit you at fifth grade. So you already had that mindset. When did the drums come in? You know, I, I grew up playing drums in church, man. Uh, oh, I almost played in a couple of praise bands. Oh, yeah? yeah? Yeah, man, my mouth is too much for them. I can't, I can't keep <laughs> it together. Hey, for real? Yeah, I can't, like, right. I the first, the, man, I went to an audition once. <laughs> <laughs> bro, that's hilarious, bro. <laughs> you might, you might like, Yo. you might like this. I went to an audition once. I was in high school too. I knew better. I didn't mean to. <laughs> I, I've, I was raised Christian, but I've never been a religious person uh, since about like sixth or seventh grade. And yeah. But I've still always been tight with my church friends. Like I always still vibe with them. And I didn't like stop being friends with people because they stayed with church or whatever. So yeah. I had a bunch of friends who uh, would play in groups. I was like, man, I just want to play in a band. Like I want the practice. A lot of times uh, the churches had dope kits that they would oh, let you play. You didn't have to have your own to be in the. So I was like, man, this gig pays and comes with a kit. Like, I don't care <laughs> who we're praising to. Let's go. <laughs> Let's um, go. And I went to an audition. Um, it was the second time I almost played in a group. But this second audition was the last time I was like, I got to stop pretending this is the right place for me. I went in and 
they had some song. I didn't know it, but it was something. I, maybe they wrote it. I don't know. I, I didn't recognize it at all. And they're like, can we just like play through it? And just, you know, they didn't have any, they had no sheet music. It wasn't anything. It was just like a, like a jam band audition. They're like, just play along. Yeah. I just did. And it was the most simple, basic shit. And if yeah. they were looking at me, like I was like Goodwill hunting, doing like long division, they were like, whoa, you don't <laughs> know this song? You've never heard this? And I was like, no, I can play in four, four time. Like <laughs> this, this is yeah. easy. And so I just was like, and they go, well, we all think you're really good. Like, so one of the girls said that and I go, hell yeah. <laughs> there was like right. a bunch of people. I just like my first thing. And I said it like big. I was like, hell yeah. And they're like, sub there out of the room. Exactly. We're in yeah. the main. Anyway. I was like, I guess I got the look and they still were like, you should come back a little less excited. And I was like, I think y'all need to find somebody who knows how to behave themselves. That's funny, bro. Yeah. That's the tip of the iceberg. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like, it's crazy. Cause like, I think growing up in Jacksonville and musician culture, I mean, Jacksonville has produced some really incredible musicians, man. And um, that whole and, region is makes some of my favorite music from Atlanta to Jacksonville and that whole. So, yeah. Good. And so, but a lot of these guys, you know, they just, they get church gigs and that's where they practice their skills. Right. Not really there for the, the sermon or the religious aspect right. of it. It's, you know, we kind of came up in church uh, where it's like, all right, we're going to play these songs. When the preacher get up to preach, we going in the back. But somebody's going to McDonald's to make a run. Right, right, right. Run, we out back on a kid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was more like uh, a bit of that, like in terms of, uh, you know, musicians' approach to to to, to how they would treat service, that kind of thing. So why you know, stick with acting over trying to go the drum route? Dude, you're a great drummer. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. I, you know, and it, it's crazy, bro. Like, because... Um, for a while I was, I, you know, I, I went from Brimwood Elementary, it was School of the Arts, to what was called La Villa School of the Arts. It was middle school. And at one point I was in the jazz band and I was also in, in drama, you know. Um, and so I, I learned a lot, bro, about swing and, and, you know, like, and just being in a band with, like, these guys who are now, like, elite professional musicians. You know what I'm saying? Um, and just how to, uh, another aspect of collaboration, you know, of, mm-hmm. of, so of, um, of, um, of rhythm, of tone, of dynamic, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All that I feel like applies to the actor's process, but just in a different way, like that the body understands it. You know, like with, with drumming, it's one of those things, like what's so dope about it is that you feel it. It's it's not one of those things that's heady. Like, right, I was listening to your, your uh, I forget what you're talking about. You're talking about our class in 2010, sort of us being intellectuals. That was kind of our vibe. Mm. Uh, but the gift was, like, in that process, even at School of the Arts, every time I got an opportunity to hop on the kit, it's like, all right, all of this thought goes out of the way. What You play what you feel. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I do feel like the actor has to sort of... Uh, Learn great actors learn to do that as well, just in a different but in a different way. You know what I'm yeah. saying? 
do the work to throw it away to to just play your music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but the question was why acting over 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 music. And so this has always been like a tough thing for me because I feel like they were both sort of equally a part of me. Uh-huh. Um, and but after I left middle school, when I got to Douglas Anderson High School of the Arts, it was like one of those things. Right, you're gonna have to make a decision. Either you're gonna you went to art school for all three of your schools. Yeah, man. Or yeah. like a real deal arts baby. <laughs> yeah, from like so technically, you're like kindergarten was at an art school because you were at Brentwood. Uh, no, actually, I was at a school called John Love, and then when did we- you move to Brentwood Elementary? Second grade. Yeah. So second grade through undergrad, your art school all the way through. That's pretty special, man. That's not, that's not even available almost anywhere. (laughs) Right. Right. For real. I didn't know arts schools were a fucking thing ever until I like left like Texas. And we had some of the best rated schools like in the country. We would have like blue ribbon, whatever the fucking thing they hand out. Like- you know, top notch. And, and there was a, I remember our high schools. So my district had four high schools and they each had like a little specialty. And it was like, they would get extra funding for that department. So that like the school I went to, but you still had to like be in the zone of that high school to go there unless you like applied and transferred and took the extra bus or whatever. But the concept of a fully arts based school for high school where everyone's there doing arts like school of the arts has their high school program but man i'm i'm i don't have the energy to be as bitter and resentful as i want to be about not knowing it existed when i needed it yeah for like sure. i i went to one in high i went to one in new york for yeah. i told you i lived in hell's kitchen i went to an arts-based high school in new york for one year but i Is thought that LaGuardia? was you had to live in new york city is that LaGuardia? I wish. No, I auditioned for LaGuardia. I didn't get in. I oh. uh, I went to a school with the, oh, it's the most terrible name. One of the curses of going there is I have to say their name for the rest of my life. Uh, Talent Unlimited High School. Mm, okay. Terrible name. Terrible name. Well, and, <laughs> and to say your talent is unlimited when you rate worse than the other two schools in town, I think is just ironic and weird. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, that's a very specific experience to keep going with that. And yep. you said when you got to Douglas, did you have the chance to go to music? Were you thinking about like doing that there? No, I know I knew that I would have to narrow my focus. Right. And so, um, I just feel like I had more stake in in the stage. You know what I mean? Mm. You thought you were now, better at it? For sure. Yeah, I think I I was a better actor than I was a drummer. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, although I was a dope drummer. How did you, know, you judge that? Like, what made you think that? Just out of curiosity. There was just some guys, bro. There was just some guys. Like some other drummers that made you yeah. feel bad? You just like, oh my God, what am, like, what am I doing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it really came down to how often you were embarrassed by other people's talent. And that's how you judged right. your own. Exactly, bro. You know, it's this kid named Jameson Ross, bro. This is one of my best friends, bro. He's a professional jazz artist. I saw I caught his show in New York, as a matter of fact. Um, top of this year, bro. I mean, he's Grammy nominated. He plays with that group Snarky Puppy. Oh uh, yeah. Wow. Real deal, bro. You know Dude, what I'm Snarky saying? Snarky Puppy's like no bullshit jazz. Like that 
that they don't fuck around. And I mean, this kid, this kid was smashing so hard that it's just that's like, Jeff. yeah, if that's who you're playing <laughs> next to, you're like, I should be an actor who knows uh, yeah, how to play the drums. Right. I'm going to go and learn these lines. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go be the best drummer in the acting class. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. You know, I'll take that. So uh, what so, was yeah. it? What was it like for you? Uh, I mean, the culture has changed at School of the Arts so much with the way they cast people now. It You're, is so, so, so different than it used to be. And it no. was always, it was always going to put you in the minority to be a minority, but you were in the minority. Got it. You're the only person of color in your class other than Vanessa Hernandez, maybe? Hernandez, yeah, yeah. So the only black person in your class, the, the only person really bringing, because Vanessa... uh is from uh, Los Angeles and, uh, you know, is a very totally different culture than than yours. It's not even worth comparing. So you're bringing a very specific perspective to every acting class, every discussion about every play. Yeah. What is that experience like for you? We don't talk about that a lot on this show, but I think we should. Yeah, man. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I felt like a fish out of water at School of the Arts. You know what I'm saying? Um, Economically, racially... Just, just, I mean, um, culturally, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's crazy because I've been in art schools. Right. It was like, all right, cool. You know, like uh, when I'm with the theater crew, there's diversity there. We rehearse, but I always got my, my team of musicians. These are all my homeboys. Right. And we black and we all culturally the same and we all party the same. Right. You know, vernacular is the same. I don't have to explain you know, flexing, stunting, terms like that. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know. Yeah, yeah. We understood, you know, so I had that that balance. But when it came to School of the Arts, it was like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's not a lot of Black people here. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a whole different thing, like, for me, culturally. These are And a um, lot of those, I'm going to say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I may be out of turn. But a lot of those white people, too, at School of the Arts are white people. I mean, the <laughs> whitest people I've ever met yeah. in my life. Yeah. And they, man, not all of them, but a lot yeah. of them are, yeah. are not familiar with any of the culture that you're just that you just referenced. It's completely out of anything they've ever experienced. Anything, you know, like people that you just... That I felt like, bro, like I, we would never, unless we were here, there's, there's no way I'd ever meet you and we'd be cool. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was kind of that, it was that sort of thing, man. And Did you have a person that surprised you that you ended up being really tight with? You're like, man, when I first met you, I was like, that you know exact what? thing. But then by the end, you're like, he's actually the fucking homie. Like, he really like fucking tight with this guy. You know what that is, or bro? Girl. Yeah. Man, Andrew Jernigan, ace, bro. He's the fucking best. Ace, man, I love, I love Andrew Jernigan, man. Like, Me Ace too. is my guy. Like, and it's crazy because he and I were so different in school. We were from yeah. different walks, bro. And we had a couple run-ins, too. <laughs> not, not serious things, but, you know, discussions about, like, you know, buddy. That's just what happens sure. when you're, you know what I mean? But uh, that place is a pressure cooker. It'll, it'll make the best of friends, like, rip each other's head off. That's, that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. But at by the end of it, and like today, it's like 
you graduate school and you realize that you feel like you've gone to war with these people. It's a very special, right. a very unique thing that not a lot of people experience. And so every single one of them, like at this point, it's like, you know, I know that was my experience, but I don't view it as like my white friends or black. It's like, no, these are my brothers. These are my sisters. You know what I mean? Like, like I love them deeply because we share this very special thing. Like I've been making contact with a lot of people because I've been in New York now, like, and just checking in and catching up with Madison, Allie Bill. And you know what I mean? And when I see them, it's, it's, it's dope, bro. Like it's really awesome. And I, and I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, say anything too negative about my experience in terms of, like, I, oh. I, I do wish that there was more diversity because culturally, like, yeah, I was a fish out of water, but in the same sense, it was like, I really had to root my heels in the things that were authentically me that right. I feel like I, that I brought and that, um, were unique to me and I had to really be me as a result of that. You know what I'm saying? Always, all while sort of discovering who I was becoming. You know what I'm saying? You know what uh, I love about that? And I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I, I can't lose this thought because it's, you're, you're pointing to something that I've been trying to, trying to talk about, I think for a really long time about how individualism and community in artistry it is a delicate, important thing. So here, here's what I'm trying to articulate. I'm going to try to get this out before I lose it. Yeah. I think there is a current uh, push and trend to try to compartmentalize identities in culture, uh, in art, and specifically in those making things to say, like, we want more diversity. A lot mm -hmm. of times what that looks like is let's get more of the same kind of people together over here that are undervalued or underappreciated or their stories are undertold and help them tell their stories. I think that's a great thing. We should do that. But yeah. at the same time, the things that we jump to, like race or even gender or sexuality, something that we may jump to as like, oh, we need to help that group of people out, tell their stories, we should do that. But that's also not the only thing that makes us unique as storytellers, as artists. Like, yeah, you were the only person in your graduating class that was that was authentically able to tell black stories that's true yeah. yeah but it's not as if you're the only person out of that 25 whatever people that can tell an authentic unique story that no one else can tell you yeah. they all have a different experience even right. if they're all if they were like you know 90 percent white whatever right. all those white people don't all have the same white story and they don't all have the same story based around their gender or sexuality or where they grew up or what their family dynamic was. Or I mean, and that was the thing that I remember noticing at school as part of the classes that, yeah, we I think we we could have more racial and ethnic diversity and the gender gap could be a little better on the male to female, all that. And they've done most of that, as I understand it, in waves since we left. So they're not yeah. really that in the same way they used to. But. With that being said, I, I remember just being blown away. It felt like they did such a good job casting the ensemble because each person brought yeah. something totally different to the man. It was like yeah. a cast of SNL or something where you're just like, they can't all play the same part. Right. You're so uniquely different, distinct. Yeah. 
I remember my first year watching the fourth years. It's like Dylan Heffler, Alex Heffler's brother, and yeah, Adam Guerra, and just some killers, bro. Like I'm, I'm just, bro. I get excited again thinking about the feeling that I felt watching those guys. You right. know what I'm saying? Because it was like, yes, he's dope. No, but he's dope, and he's dope, and she's dope, and you in totally I mean? different ways. And they can't be each other. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't even compare their talents because they're so uniquely different. It's like when they would double cast somebody in a play at school and they would be like, right. all right, we got two versions of the company, basically the same shit. But on Friday, Wayne's going to play this guy. And then on Saturday, Ace is going to play him or whatever. And y'all are going to switch every night. Yeah. We would be lined up to see both those shows because we would be like, what part are Wayne and Ace going to fucking split? Right. That's going to change the whole goddamn play. We learn more from stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Benton Guinness was just on the show and told a great story about that. Him and just another white dude in his class, Alex, split this part. But man, it's like night and fucking day. It, it's like Orlando Bloom and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just like, what <laughs> fucking movie is that? Like, let's, let's see both cuts because Jesus, that's different. And yeah, I think bro. that that gets celebrated yeah, in the man. right ways, you know, in that training. Yeah, that's real, bro. And I, I will say this too. Like, it's like, I did develop a confidence in School of the Arts about being a black man and holding my own in the room, no matter who's around me. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? I say that to say that sometimes in, in black communities, the idea is we don't fool with white folk or we keep a distance. You know what I'm saying? Or we yeah. don't, we don't uh, integrate in those kinds of communities. You know That's what I'm saying? That's why you wanted to do this on Zoom, right? I said, let's do it in person, but you're like, I don't sit with... <laughs> Like that. Right. So, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, bro. So, so over email. I thought about maybe not saying it out loud on the podcast and protecting <laughs> you, but I was like, nah, you know, we're being straight up with each other. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah, man. So let, but it's, go ahead, go ahead. It's like that that portion of it is like um like some sometimes and I don't I don't mean this all the time. Sometimes some black people can feel intimidated by white people. You know what I'm saying? Like, and um, maybe it's through my experience of coming up with so much diversity. I don't, I've never felt intimidated. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've never felt like I was less than or I don't deserve to be in the room. I've never felt like I'm not smart enough to articulate my thoughts. I've always felt that, hey, you know what I mean? Like this race stuff is, who cares? I'm a man, you are a man. Let's exchange some ideas. You know what I mean? I, I really appreciate that perspective for a bunch of different reasons. And I think it's the thing that we were, we used to try to get to when we would say things like, I want to be colorblind. And then for a while people were like, yeah, but you shouldn't ignore someone's race like completely. Like we, should, we don't have to be blind to it. We can just like be aware of it and not let it lead us to making bad decisions. But I think that the, you know, so saying like I'm colorblind now is like a terrible thing, but there used to be something kind of great about that thought, which was just like, can't we go to the next thing? Can't yeah. we go to like, okay, yeah, we are two different skin colors. We're from our genetics are like 0.0% whatever different. Cool. What are, what's the play and what are we having for dinner? Like, well, that's what the fuck right. is going on. Like, who cares? Like we do Where? hope to get to that. And 
I think the thing that I've always appreciated is one of the things I loved about living in North Carolina, man, because I always personally, when I was young, I was raised in a very, very white culture. And then my mom and dad got divorced and my mom married a Mexican guy. And mm. so we started to get some, a little bit of a different cultural perspective. But yeah. when I found hip hop in the late nineties, dude, my bro. it was over. I was like, this is the most incredible shit I've ever heard music wise. And I started on like, you know, in the mid nineties, I was buying like Will Smith records. And then <laughs> my brother-in-law no, gave, okay. yeah. Oh, b dude, uh, Big Willie style was one of the first CDs I bought <laughs> on my own. You dig it with it. Yeah. Yes, sir. I'm going to Miami. Um, but it, I remember my brother-in-law gave me, uh, 2001, gave me Dre's album and that, which is one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time. And I, it was the first time I ever listened to music that my parents, they, it's not like they didn't want me to listen to it, but they didn't want to hear it. They yeah. were like, close your door. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't get that. Cause I really was one of those dorks who grew up doing the same shit with my parents. And it yeah. wasn't like my parents had a racial bias because man, they grew up, uh, they put me on to Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor and like so much black comedy and film and stuff. Young. Yeah. So it wasn't about that. I think a lot of it, honestly, is the speed of the lyrics always put them off. They're like, I can't think that fast. It's not fun for me because I don't know what they're saying. And then yeah. also I feel like they're talking about a lot of cultural shit that I don't relate to. So they just were like, I'm out. But right. to me, there was something about especially some of the neighborhoods that I lived in and some of the different friend groups that I popped around to, there's yep. something that just screamed at me about that music. And that yep. was at the same time that fucking Eminem showed up Yay. in the world. And so to be a white dude that was falling in love with hip hop at a time that the biggest name in hip hop right now is this white dude that everyone's like, you're not supposed to do this shit. You know that, right? You could be right. Vanilla Ice and we can laugh at you trying to do this, but you can't be taken seriously as no. an artist. Yeah. And he was like, eat okay. shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that it really, really, I honestly, dude, it impacted the way that I related to everybody and the way I related to culture and music and everything from that point forward. And it yeah. was always for me a search for trying to connect to any culture that was like different than mine. If yeah. it was like, if they, if you said a word, you know, uh, uh, that I didn't get, that was slang. I was like, fuck is that? I got to know this right now. Yeah. I want to be behind. I wanted to be, um, I don't know. I just wanted to be involved in that conversation because I felt like the conversation and I still feel this, I feel this way to this day. I feel like the yeah. conversations that are ha had in hip hop are the like other than maybe in stand up comedy are like the most important interesting conversations that happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that music speaks to me in a completely different way. Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's just raw, bro. Like it's it's not politically correct. It's not edited. Right. You know what I'm it's like did you did you ever see that thing we we did in uh what was it called the two weeks when we had like the break intensive like arts? Intensive arts. There was a what right, Brandon orchestrated it raw. Yeah, of course. Uh, I saw all of them. All of them, right? I saw a row body dude. Did you see row bodies? Where he smashed the guitar at the he end? The guitar at the end. And there was bro, right? 
something that, oh my God, that's another one of those moments that get me going, bro. When I saw that, I went, oh, I need this next year. I, yeah. I want that next year. You know what I'm saying? You did it, it, didn't you? Did it. My fourth year. Yeah, bro. And it was something, right, raw. It's just like, yeah, it's so attractive, so magnetic about something that's like an artist who is authentically speaking from themselves, no matter if you like, like it, it could be offensive, but yeah. I'm going to kick it how I feel blood raw from my heart. You know and what I mean? That, yes, dude, you're exactly right. That is the fucking attraction that I had that pulled me away a lot from the white culture that I was raised in to Latino culture and black culture because it felt like better or worse. And, and honestly, uh, into like gay culture later in my life, it was like, because they are so authentic. They are so yeah. like, I'm not making a thing so you'll like it. And they right. might even specifically be like, and if you don't like it, kiss my ass. Like, you know, it's like, uh, right, because right. that's how I really feel. And maybe even if I don't really feel that way, I'm going to say that shit loud until it is real to me. Yeah. Like, and, and I grew up like rock music, country music, you know, right. stuff that it feels a little bit like you're making it because you know I'll like it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like you figured out the formula and you're going to sing about your truck and your dog and the beer and the lake. And I'm yeah. like, I've got you. Fun times at the lake. Let's have a beer. But yeah, I got tired of it because I was like, well, they just kind of keep saying the same thing. And then the first time I heard Dr. Dre or the first time that I heard uh, even Jay-Z or like any anybody in that era, it yeah. just, man, I was like, yeah, Brand. I was affected in a way that I still to this day struggle to articulate. And it, it drives me towards that kind of dense music. And also why... I totally understand the um, why some of my favorite people to watch do Shakespeare at school were not white people. Man, <laughs> I mean they're fine, they're good, they could be great, they can be really, really great. But man, there's there was a connection sometimes to anyone you could tell was a fan of like hip hop or rap or poetry in some way before that that they yeah. just uh, grind those words and it feels like real shit and you even if you don't understand what they're saying you know what the fuck they're saying God. bro never forget watching well, their third year who's Desi now Desi Bing yeah Desi Bing Shakespeare was just so beautiful like just rooted just oh my god just all the feels that, that thing I'm talking about like Rob of of playing music, man. Yeah. Of like doing the work to forget about the work and just living, playing the music. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff that I'm interested in, that I'm I'm still that still gets me, man. That still inspires me. You know what I mean? Well, um, let's we gotta catch up though, because let, let we I know we only have so much time, but I want to get to yeah. Afterwards, you you've been on kind of a hiatus from acting and that kind of stuff. You took a bit of a break, did you not? And you, yeah. you said just two years ago you moved back to New York. You kind of catch me up on that. What that journey yeah. was like for you? Yeah, Brandon. So I I left School of the Arts twenty two. I moved out to L A. And the mission for me was like, all right, I'm gonna rap exactly what you're talking about. Like I'm Brentwood Slim, to- baby. Brentwood, you know that's what it was. Yes. Like, you know, um, I want I want to be Kendrick. I'm going to be Drake. I'm really about to do this and get it popping. And so went out to L.A., met some guys, started writing a ton of music. I was working at like 
Bloomingdale's in Century City. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. And um living with my girlfriend at the time. And uh and yeah, and just just trying to were you trying do- to act or you were just hitting hip hop, like just trying to rap. Was just rap. I was like, I don't really want to act right now. And got it. You know, rap is a bit of a young man's game. So it was That's like true. in my youth, let's let's just pedal to the it's metal. It's like dancing, right? Let's burn it while it burns for sure. Right. So it's like let me get this popping. If I do it the right way, that can be the gateway into my space of acting. And you people know? be like, oh shit, Brentwood Slim's an actor. Look, wait, where did you go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not the worst play, bro. That's not the worst play. Yeah. So that's sort of how I was thinking about it strategically, man. But a year and a half of me being in LA, yeah. I, it wasn't my vibe, bro. Like, uh, maybe because I'm I'm Southern bred, I'm I'm very like. You know, I'm not ever trying to leverage people for anything. Like, and I, I kind of got that feeling of Los Angeles of people were not interested in even speaking to you if it wasn't about getting them to the next move or, you know, sort of using each other to to, to elevate, you know. And and I understand that, you know, there is space for that. Like, but for me, it just felt like this is a culture that was not incompatible. Yeah. Yeah. What I needed. So came back home. And launched a Kickstarter. What we raised like sixty five hundred dollars in in thirty days. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. I didn't sleep for that entire mo- month. I did my first album. It was called Loretta's Boy. Um, and yeah, man, it started to build a little a little wave around the city here in Jacksonville. So I'm like, all right, like this is the path I want to take and keep and stay true to it. Uh, I think, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about acting much. Uh, Oh no, I did that. I was doing a lot of shows around town and uh, Michelle Shea calls me and says, hey, you know, I'm doing seven guitars in DC. Why don't you audition for it? And so- If I remember correctly, she directed you in Fences? In Fences, yep, at, at School of the Arts. Um, and so I'm like, all right, cool. And so I auditioned and they cast me, you know, it was Joshua Morgan's- uh mm-hmm. Company No Rules in DC went up there, did that. It was an awesome experience. I got to do it with Roe Body, which is dope. I mean, he's still one, one of the my... greatest actors of our generation. Let's be honest. Roe Body is man, like you know what Lauren Henry said about Roe Body, bro. I I was just I, I saw her a couple months ago, or maybe top of the year, and this is so true. Uh, what she said, she's like, you know what I love about Roe is he never complains, win, lose, or draw. He decided on this life. Whatever comes with it is what he's willing to take. And I, I tell you went, a really quick robot story I think you'll like. Yeah. Dude, I moved to New York 2013. One of the four moves in my life where I went with like less than $1,000 and whatever I could fit in my car or whatever. And right. I move up to New York and Brandon was like, I got a spot for you in the apartment that he had with like a bunch of rooms and shit. And he's like, we got a spot opening up. But there's some overlap and basically it was going to be like, I think two or three days where I kind of had to crash in the living room because I was taking Rose room. Yeah. Rose was living there and it was the middle of the summer, right? I moved there like end of June or whatever after like a month after graduation. And, um, this dude had no air conditioner in this room and his bed was on the floor and it literally, I walked into his room, like the room that I was going to take over. And I was like, have you ever seen a a movie where like 
a superhero like Bruce Banner, somebody's the fucking Hulk, is like on the run. And so he's like living with a rolled up sack thing and sleeping yeah. in random places. Yeah, That's what this dude's room looked like. And he walked out shirtless in just sweatpants. And he was like, hey, what's going on, man? And like, I look behind him and I'm like, he looks like he's, he's dressed and acting like a monk. And he's got this, and I knew him at school and I, he's, he's still the same guy, but just to see him in his own little element. Um, and I remember he was, we, we went to get coffee or something. It was like my first day there. And I remember thinking like, is that all he owns is the stuff that's in there? There's like a pallet and a wind keeper and a chime or something. That's like a whole fucking room. And so we go to get coffee <laughs> and I was like walking with him and you know, he's a shorter dude, but he's yeah. so thick. And so, yeah. And so he's walking next to me and I kind of am like, like dodging people, right? We're walking through New York and it's a busy full street and we're kind of walking like this and he's not doing that. He's just walking and I'm like kind of dodging people. And I was like, man, you know, you kind of got to keep your wits about you. That's one of the things I love about the city is like, I feel like it keeps you awake. You know, I'm always like checking, I'm juking around. And I kind of joking with him and he goes, yeah, I don't really deal with that. And I was like, what? And he goes, (laughs) he goes, I find if you just walk with your, I think, what did he say? I don't want to misquote him. We got to have him on the show. Maybe he remembers this story. Probably not. He was like, I find if you just walk with your chi forward, people step out of the way. And Dude. I was like, I bet if I was you, people <laughs> would walk out of the way. Are you kidding? Like, I think that works for you, bro. For you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's a for. If I could walk with your chi, yes, they would get out of the way. <laughs> but I can't do that. I have to walk with my chi, which does not move people around. Oh, not that kind of chick, buddy. That sounds like rope for sure, bro. You know, I, it was a blessing working with him in, in DC, and because he was always like a big bro to me. In school. He was the guy yeah. that I, you know what I mean. He was the guy that oh, I he's the best because he he's so disciplined, bro. Grounded, so, yeah, and humility, and it's like you know, and so skilled, but took the work to heart. You know what I mean, and and just that discipline, that rigor. He continued it. Like, you know, like it's like guys who might be Navy SEALs or Marines, they talk about the good old days when they were waking up running five miles. And but it's like, bro, that's old. You don't do that anymore. You don't right. possess it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to hear who you are. How dope you were back then. What are you doing now? You know right. what I'm saying? But like I say that to say that when you watch Roe, even today, it's still that same level of rigor. Like we were gladiators at School of the Arts. You know what I'm saying? Like the work we were putting in. Yeah, and he's taking that into the professional world, and that's the kind of human being that you you want to be, man. Because those people win, bro, because they're relentless. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so, all right, I'm going on a hold. So that's okay. You're good. I did. Uh, you did seven guitars. At in DC was awesome. Went back home. Um, found out that I was nominated for a Helen Hayes Award. Right, I remember that. Yeah, uh, won the Helen Hayes Award, which was really mm-hmm. sweet. You know what I mean? And it was kind of cool because I knew nobody in this DC community. It was like right, no one. Right. It was just purely from the work, which I thought was kind of awesome. You know? That's how you want to win. Yeah, man. And then I came back home and then I started working on another album. Um, and I remember having a conversation with one of my homeboys. He calls me up and he's like, yeah, man, you know, I was talking to my sister and, and she and I were talking and it, it seems like you might be a little unfocused. 
And I'm like, okay, tell me more. You know what I'm saying? This is why, like one of my homeboys who- uh, You're listening. Yeah, I'm down with hearing criticism. It's, it's not like he really cares about my well-being. I understand. And so it's like, he's like, well, it's like, you know, you go into these theater communities and you do this great work, you know, um, and then you go into this music community and then you'll do this great work, but you're leaving communities. So you don't really have an opportunity to, to build in one space. You know what yeah. I mean? Heard you and your, uh, your podcast, I forget who you're talking to again about that hyphenated thing and the nature yeah. of what we were talking about me growing up as a musician and an actor, like wanting to play both sides, but realizing it takes so much just to do one thing. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and I do. That kind of spoke to me deeply, bro. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and so I did the second album. Uh, it was cool. Uh, but I think the conversation came down to money. It's like, all right, this is why people have record labels. They're the bank. You know what I'm saying? If you have to fund all of this stuff, I mean, you're going to run out unless you, you know, got some deep resources or your parents got some deep pocket. But that certainly was not the case for me. And so um, long story short, man, life started lifing. And um, I was dating my son's mom and, you know, she hey, Wayne, I'm pregnant. You know what I'm saying? And uh, dang, you know what I'm saying? It was like a boom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, but I can imagine. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Is the obvious is like, I've only known my life as being a bit of a wanderer and being mm. an artist. Like sort of picking up, leaving, moving, coming and going as I please and and you talk about the nature of rearing a child, it, you know, it's discipline, it's consistency, it's stability. It's like, what does that look like? And then there was also the component of like, dang, I always dreamed of uh, being married and then, you know, like, and having Doing a kid. it in order. In order. <laughs> but it ain't happening that way. That ain't how life works, my friend. Not always. And so, Rob, I had to sit with that, bro. I was like, yeah. how did you? Because me and my son's mom were like, thank God we're in like such a great space now. We were at odds, man. Right. We were, it was really difficult. And, you know, so I had to sit with the tough questions of like, how did I end up here? What did I miss? What wasn't I paying attention to in terms of uh, a life partner or connecting with someone? Or, or have I denounced uh, love and healthy understanding of relationship for sake of exclusively being tied to artistry. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And so I had to to sit with all of that that life work, man. And and things got rough, bro. Like, uh, so for the next five years, I mean, I was home in Jacksonville, um, and things got pretty, pretty dark for me. You know what I'm saying? Does that mean? Dark in the sense that like, uh, I was unclear about where my trajectory was going, my, my vision. I was now a dad. I was responsible to this thing. I was at odds with my son's mom. I uh, didn't have a lot of money. Um, uh, spiritually and emotionally, I felt like I was sort of disconnected. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was just unclear. I, I couldn't tell where True North was. 
You know what I mean? Uh, I like that, that fall in the movies where you like, <laughs> you're reaching for something and you don't know what's going on. And I'll never Were forget- you about that. 28 at the time? About 28, man. Yeah. I think, and this is just a theory, um, yeah. and in talking to people, I think if you are, this is not my attempt to rationalize anything that you went through, but I think if you are accelerating and evolving at a proper pace in your maturity and your understanding of the world, your late 20s should be filled with that gravity that Mm -hmm. often accompanies uh, tragedy, loss, nihilism what the fuck are we doing this for why are we doing any of this like is it even all of that i think showing up in your late 20s for whatever reason for whatever reason is a very healthy time for you to do that it's kind of like getting your wisdom teeth out do it in your 20s because the older you get the 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 harder it is to heal from stuff like that and yeah. I think all the stuff that you're describing, brother, I went through the same thing in my own version at the same time in my life. We're almost the same age. Are you 88? 87? Yeah. 88. 88 me too. So literally at the same time, my mm. late 20s, I'm like overwhelmed with the sense of nihilism. Like this is pointless. Right. All of it. We're little ants on a rock in space that nobody cares about. And everything we're doing here is like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's like two people. uh, When you see a a cartoon drawing of a desert island, it's meaningless of those two people there because they're just going to die there. And whether they eat coconuts or go fishing, like who gives a shit? They're just going to die. And then no one's going to give a shit. They were ever there in the first place. Like that kind of stuff taking over your brain Mm. is, I think, Again, I'm not a religious man, but I think that is God. I think that is the world. I think that is your own brain trying to knock you out Dude. and see if you get the fuck back up. Hey, bro. Do you get up? up? How hard can you get hit and get back up? Oh, and, and I know we're coming from different points of the road because I am a faith guy, but it's like, you're right. I felt like God needed to sit me still and sit me down so I could answer the most important questions. All this time we in school talking about building character for performance. What about your character as a man? You know what I'm saying? That was the conversation that needed to happen in order for me to to jump back into whatever I was doing. Like I, I think I, I could never have been successful at anything like, you know, artistically if the man himself is not grounded. And so I'll tell you what happened. This is interesting, bro. Like, is um, my lights got cut off at my my grandmother's house where I was staying with here. Not I wasn't staying with her, but she left my cousin and I a house uh, here in Jacksonville. And um, you know, just things were that bad, man. Seriously. Right. And I went to my cousin's house and I slept on her couch and um, for like four days, man. And in those four days. I just like cried. I prayed. I just cried and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Just like, man, if you're up there and you're listening, <laughs> you gotta say something to me, man. Like I'm <laughs> on the verge of losing it all, man. Like I'm on the verge yeah. of messing this thing up. 
like, you got to say something to me. Like, you know, and I'll never forget these words, Rob, like that I felt were, were, were placed in my heart and in my mind was the Lord saying, you know, I, I, I did not create you to serve your art. I created you to serve me. And I just, it was like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think in that moment, it was like, my identity was my artistry. You know, and I've heard you speak on that as well in your podcast. It's like all things were, you know, artistry. It's how I measure myself and understood myself in the world. If I'm winning or losing, if I'm up or down based on how things are going. Professional. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. And I think God was saying to me like, hey, there's a beautiful thing about life. There's a full spectrum out of it. Go develop those other aspects of you. Go find some community. Go find some great relationships. Go talk to some people. Go laugh. Go have a, go, you know what I mean? Go, go, go watch a TV show. Like you don't always have to feel like, all right, when you're away, somebody else is grinding harder than you. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you're like, go and do something. And, and from that point, man, I started like going to church. I got into Bible study. I started like developing a whole new community and friend group. Like, um, I started learning about money and, and, you know, the uh, financial literacy, like yes. the things that you should have been learning in school. You yeah. Them. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dude. Believe you me. Know, and, That's a whole other podcast. Yes. Yeah, bro. And so my whole thing just shifted, bro. And, and I became better than I've ever been. You know what I'm saying? And today I'm better than I've ever been. Bro, the, ener- the energy off of you is so great. I mean, no, I know we're virtual, but like it's so grounded and it's so bright. Like that darkness that you describe is not, you know, I can't smell it on you. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not there now because I, I, I feel like here's the thing that's really tough, man. And like you said, we've talked about this on the show plenty of times is people tie their identity to their artistry and they say like, how I'm doing as an artist is in, but you know, what's crazy is even people who are crushing it are, are, are waiting for this date that's coming later where that will have paid off and been worth it. Like they're not allowed to enjoy it right now for it being awesome. Like, you know, uh, Luke Smith is one of my favorite examples that I keep bringing up because his Um, episode just rings through my head. He's the best. And it's one of the most listened to episodes. So I tell everybody, go listen to it. It's great. Um, but he talks about how he started acting in middle school. Then he started doing more acting in high school. Then he went to school for acting and then he got out and he started booking stuff and then he kept booking stuff and he's been booking stuff for 10 years, but he still doesn't always feel like he's a real actor. I'm like, what the fuck do you got to do, man? Like you've been doing it your whole life, but you still struggle to give yourself the title of the one thing you've spent the most time doing. That's who else in the world? does that i mean people sell a beanie baby and call themselves an entrepreneur you've been an actor for 20 years but yeah. you're i don't know if i'm really an actor it's such a wild thing that we play this game with ourselves and i think the thing that we forget here's the analogy that i always make mm-hmm. we've all been in relationships that when they ended because they ended someone says to us i feel like you wasted my time or I can't believe I wasted so much time with you. Or I mm-hmm. wish I had known that this is who you were. I wouldn't have wasted my time. Yeah. Of all the things you could say to someone on the way out, 
eat shit and die. I hope I never see you again. I would rather take those than it was a waste of time. Because even if I'm not marrying someone and putting babies inside them, I spent my time with you. You know how valuable my fucking time is to me? Like, not just because it's my life and life is short, but like, I do... I do have a uh, value in myself. I do have the ability to go hustle. I do have the ability to create things no one else can create, to tell yeah. stories no one else can tell. And I could have been doing that shit, but I didn't. I spent it with you, sitting by the lake, driving to your mom's, whatever, the like all that stuff. And I had fun, goddammit, even if it didn't last forever. There were times that were great. And for you to say that because we're not going to spend a retirement together, that was a waste of your time. Fuck you. Like right. all due respect to yeah. eat shit. Like that's the weird, the meanest thing you could say. And Wayne, it's the same thing with our artistry because we tell ourselves if we're not in service of that record deal, if we're not in service of that uh, movie contract, we're wasting our time. But Learning how to be a good father. I mean, even if I'm not, even if I don't have a kid, why would I even think about that? I don't know, whatever, who cares? I got to go do this. I don't want to waste my time learning how to treat people with kindness, empathy, respect, build community, work on my own issues of maybe I'm a jealous person. Maybe I have a short temper. Maybe all these things that actually do get in the way of me being happy. I don't have time to work on any of that because I got to do stuff that's going to matter, that's going to pay off, that's going to blah, blah, blah later. And it's, it's not a waste of time. It's not a waste. And that's, and right, it's like most people ask, like, bro, like Jameson, when I saw him at a show, bro, Wayne, it was like you were here and then you just disappeared. I right. said, yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like from the outside looking at it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but hey, man, I was working. I was working on, on this work, on that hard work, that life work. You know, Joe always said that to us acting work is life work. You know what I mean? Like, yes. if you, be interested in doing the work in life so that you're well enough to do the work, you know, professionally, man. And that's always rang true to me, man. So I, I definitely agree with that when you're saying like, hey, that is the work. Do the hard work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think it's tough because it's like you said, sometimes we use the stage or the mic or whatever, and we use that as a channel for all that stuff, right? Lysander, that's a way for me to act out. That's a way for me to yell at somebody and not get in trouble. That's a way for me to get upset and kick some shit and not go to detention. Yeah. That's great. But you also, that's the first step. That's the ele- that's Brentwood Elementary. And later when we get older, we have to, we do have to address, why do you need to kick shit, man? Why do you want to rip the pages out the book so bad? We found a way for you to channel it so no one gets hurt. But now are we going to ask the next question, which is like, you okay? Are you okay? You know what I'm saying? And that's the thing is like, you know, Ashley uh, Gates, you know, she and I are so close still, man. I love her. I see her all the time. We talk. Well, I don't see her all the time, but I go and see her from time to time. And, you know, it's just like, I always thank her for like, you know, that text class about like, 
is it absolutely true what you're telling yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like the learning to have the proper conversation with yourself and learning to tell the truth. You know what I mean? Like, it's all right. If I'm not all right, it's okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's completely cool, you know, but, but you work through it and you're honest about it. And, and, I, you know, I just think truth is important for that to be the foundation of things. Like, you know, like you're saying, don't, we can channel it forever, but you still got to come off the stage, bro. You still got to walk back and, you know, and visit these same people who irritate you or whatever the case. Like, you still have to look at yourself in the mirror. Let's get, let's get that together, man. You know, like, and, and I, I'll be honest, Rob, you know, my favorite guys, you know, like oftentimes the best actors are very, ironically, sometimes the most troubled people, you know right. what I mean? Um, broken people sometimes. And, and that's the beauty of it is that they're using that, you know, but I think as I, I'm growing older, I'm like loving the Denzel Washingtons of the world who seem to be the great actors, but also great men. You know what I'm saying? And, you I know, love like, Keanu Reeves. He's one not, of my go-tos. Like you just, every time he talks, you're like, oh man, you have done the work on your own heart. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I respect yeah. that so much more than someone who's willing to crucify themselves for their shit. I used to, I, that was the juvenile version of me. When I was yeah. young, I was like, look at him bleeding for his shit. Like that's, so dope like wow and then i got older and i'm like man why you gotta bleed dude like you <laughs> don't have to do that and it hurts and it's and sometimes watching people you care about put themselves through that is tough so what about that person's wife what about that person's kids what about the people around them that are watching right. robin williams go through that shit you know, and knowing, yeah, great. My dad, Ron Williams, he's so funny. Yeah, we love him. We wish, we wish all the times you don't see him, he was happy like he is when you do see him because he's not. And yeah. Yeah. man, I, all right. So I know we got to wrap up, man, because I, I really, really enjoy this. I'd love to have you on again <laughs> if you into it. Um, I love to do that, man. This has been awesome, bro. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk about NYU. Maybe we'll talk about it next go around. A hundred percent. We'll get it. We'll get it. And you're just um, at the beginning of that journey, really, man. So yeah. we'll, get you, we'll get you a little deeper into it and then we'll talk about how it's going for you. Because I think that that break and then getting back into the acting and being back in the city and all that stuff, uh, I'm fascinated by that story, but I want to make sure we could dig into it and maybe we let a little more of it unfold. Um, yeah, for thank you, Wayne. I got to tell you. I'm so happy to see you, bro. And thanks. Thanks for calling me, man. Thanks for hitting me up. And I'm just happy to see you, man. I'm happy about this whole thing. I'm so, it's so cool to hear my peers and what they've been up to, like, and you creating that space. And it's just beautiful, bro. Like, I mean, a testament to your, you as a man and always being able to reach everyone. That's beautiful. Bro. Well, I really appreciate it. Uh, the, <laughs> there are people out there who don't like me, Wayne, I promise, so that you can <laughs> sleep at night. Hey, tell, make them sure that you me, man. tell them go holler at me, man. Tell them go holler at me. You're right. <laughs> uh, you're so right. good. You know, I, I want to leave it with just this last quote because I've been listening to Killer Mike's new album and I know we were talking about hip hop before and there's this one track that uh, Dave Chappelle does an intro on. Uh, yeah. It's a track called Run and it's a spoken word. He's not like rapping, but it's just a spoken word thing. 
And one of the lines he says in it that just keeps echoing in my head, and I feel like it kind of sums up this whole conversation we just had, is he says, so what's your excuse? You're not perfect. You've made a mistake. You're not good enough. No one's asking you to be perfect. We only asking people to be honest. And I think that that is the bar which we should all just keep trying to hold ourselves to. Not perfection, not success, not whatever. Almost everything else can go by the wayside of just be honest. Just be honest with yourself. Be honest with your friends and family. Be honest in your art. Like, I think that's, I think that's what I feel like you and I have both been saying for like an hour and a half. I agree, bro. I agree. I love that. I love that, bro. Yeah, that's solid. 